Thank you for listening to Connection Church's podcast. This week, Brandon Williams wraps up the series entitled, What I'm Looking For. Over the years, we've manipulated what Courageous is all about. It's not necessarily stepping up and achieving a great feat, but more importantly, it's having the courage to do what is right each day and in every circumstance. Hope everybody's doing good today. I'm excited about continuing our, our series, actually finishing it up today. Uh, the series, What I'm Looking For. Been taking a look at a few things this this. Uh, this month with the things that I, I believe sometimes as Christians we come into to Christ, we, we know Christ, but there still seems to be some things that are missing from our lives um, or, or we feel that. And so we're, we've been looking at these things. The first one we looked at was contentment. Last week we looked at comfort. This week we're going to be looking at courage. How many of you could use some courage in your life? Yeah, you always, we, we tend to always face uh, things in life that we're unsure about. Um, and, and I believe that God leads us into places where if we don't have the supernatural courage of God, man, we're probably not going to make it. If we don't have the supernatural courage that God, only God can give, we're probably not going to end up in the place that God wants us to be. And so we're going to be looking at that today. If you missed any of the other messages, you can get those on our website uh, or you can go to iTunes and find them there. Um, also, if you have any questions about the church or anything, um, stop by the guest services desk out front. And, uh, and they can help you out. They'll hook you up with anything you need to know. So we're going to jump in today. Um, I do want to say this. I'm going to read the scripture to you. We're going to be looking at Joshua chapter 3. Um, we've been in Philippians and we've been looking at the life of Paul. And I want to continue that thought today. But we're actually going to be looking more in uh, Joshua 3. And what I've found is the last two weeks when I really start talking about Paul, I get stuck on Paul and I never really make it to the things that I had planned to talk about. So we're just going to say that Paul had a lot of courage. If you remember that, man, he was in prison and uh, people were, he didn't know if he was going to live or die. He didn't know if he was about to get his head cut off. He was, he was in jail writing this letter to the Philippians and he, he said, you know, I found the secret to contentment. He put his comfort on the back burner so that he could um, advance the gospel. And, and there's no doubt that Paul had to have incredible courage in his life to be able to accomplish the things that God wanted him to do. And so today we're going to be reading in Joshua chapter 3, I think one of the most courageous stories in the Bible that we read about, one of the most courageous um, acts that people have done for God and that God's done through people. And, and one, one, one day I just want to preach an entire series on the book of Joshua because it just blows my mind the way God does things through the Israelites as they go in and begin to take the promised land. And I believe that God has a place of promise for us as well, that it's in Christ, that it's eternal life, but it's also abundant life that he would have for us to, to know and to live in today. So we're going to read, um, actually, book of Joshua. We're going to read the whole chapter. It's only 17 verses, and then we're going to talk about that. One thing, I'm going to read the scripture and then pray, but um, someone just came up to me and said that they know a young man who has actually been missing um, since last night. And so as, as I pray over the word tonight, today, I want you to just agree with me, and we're just going to pray for this young man that, uh, that he would be found safe and sound, and nobody really knows exactly what's going on, but we're going to lift him up And uh, if you will, just agree with me in that. Um, Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have been, never been this way before. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. 
Joshua said to the priest, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so that you may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, When you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. That's a mouthful. See? See, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the ark of the covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the edge of the water, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethon. While the water flowing down to the sea of the, of the Arabah, the salt sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan. While all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Let's pray. God. So thankful today for your love and your grace in our lives. I'm thankful for this word, Lord. I pray that you would empower it with your spirit, that it would sink into our hearts. I pray that the words I speak, Father, would be um, straight from your heart, God, and that they would have power that only you can place upon them. Lord, we lift up uh, this young man who's who's gone missing. Um, Lord, we don't know if he he just took a drive. We don't know what's going on, but God, we know you do. And I ask that your hand would be upon him that you would um, be with him and that you would, uh, God, just bring him back safely. Lord, we love you. We, uh, we just thank you for, for your word. And in times when we are discouraged, when times when we feel our back is against the wall, God, I'm thankful that we can find great courage in you. Lord, have your way here in this place now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many of you have ever done a ropes course, like a high ropes course? Anybody ever done a ropes course? And yeah, yeah, those things are pretty freaky, especially if you're like me and you don't like heights. And have you ever noticed how when you're standing on the ground and you're looking up at the pole, you know the one that you climb up the pole and you have to stand on top of a telephone pole and then you jump off to try to grab like this trapeze bar? Anybody ever done that? It, it is absolutely freaky. And you've got on a harness and you've got this lanyard thing tied to your back, but it really doesn't matter, right? Because you're standing, you're standing on the ground and you're looking up there and you're like, man, that thing is not that high. It's really not that bad. And so you're talking a little trash, and then the little the trapeze bar, it doesn't look like it's that far away. And you're like, man, I could jump out and grab that. Nothing to this. And typically, you know, there's some other people around, so you don't want to act scared. So you start climbing. And the higher you climb, man, it's like the, the wider your knuckles start to get. And you're climbing up there, and you're getting up to the top, and then you get to this place where you have to actually pick your feet up and put them on top of this little pole that's about this big around and somehow stand up and get ready to jump. And all of a sudden, this, this 
thing that, that looked like it really wasn't that high, this task that looked like it really wasn't that bad, you're up there and you're like, oh my gosh. And if you were honest, like the only reason you didn't punk out and climb back down is because everybody else is watching you. I mean, and that was just, and that was my feelings totally. Is as I'm getting up there, I'm like, I don't even want to do this, but man, they're all down there looking at me and now I got no choice. And so you stand up and then that, that trapeze bar, it looks like it is about, you know, two football fields away. And I'm thinking, I'm going to generate a pretty good bit of momentum and a pr- my weight's going to be moving pretty quickly. And somehow I've got to hold on to this thing. And somehow I've got to grab hold of it. And I know I've got this harness on, but I don't even know this guy down here holding the rope. I'm thinking, this is crazy. And I've had to do that a couple of times going with different groups to these ropes courses. And, and just that feeling of this is a true leap of faith. This is truly just jumping out and hoping that some guy, I don't know if he smoked crack last night. I don't know what he did. He's holding my rope. And so I'm standing up there and, and, and thinking about this jump. I was thinking about this weekend. I was thinking about how Joshua had to feel a lot like that. I mean, think about this. He has followed Moses all of his life. He followed Moses um, around the desert. Moses was always the leader. Joshua spent a lot of time with Moses. But now Moses is dead. He's, he's gone. Moses is no longer around. And God comes to Joshua and he says, listen up, Joshua. Get ready. You're about to lead these people into the promised land. You're about to do what Moses never got to do. Would that not be a daunting task? For, for you, when your hero, your mentor, the one you looked up to all your life was asked to do something, he failed at it, and yet God says, I'm going to take you and I'm going to lead these people into the promised land. I think Joshua was probably thinking, oh my gosh, what am I going to, what, what, how am I going to do this? How am I going to make it? I mean, Moses is dead. Here I am. I, I, I've never led these people before. I've just watched Moses do it. And I know he had to be having that moment of, this is too big of a task for me. There's no way I can do this. And I guarantee you, everybody in this place today has had that moment where, where there was something before you and you wonder, can I actually do what I'm supposed to do. And I know this, when you begin to follow God, when you begin to follow Jesus, he's going to put you in places. He's going to lead you to do things that are bigger than what you can possibly do. One of the biggest lies that I ever hear thrown around Christian circles is that God will never put more on you than you can handle. That is not in the Bible. In fact, when we're doing the things that God calls us to do, it's always going to be more than we can handle. I don't believe God gives you a dream that you can do on your own. I believe it takes us leaning on him. And when you look at this scripture, it's incredible. It's so loaded. The hardest thing for me this week was figuring out what I wanted to talk about because it's so loaded with things that God does and things that God's doing and things that God's preparing as his people cross over into his promise. But when I look at it, during the harvest season, the snow would melt off of Mount Hermon. And, and it would begin to run down. And the Jordan River would flood. It would flood. And so these people weren't about to cross this little creek. I mean, they weren't going across beautiful Eagle Creek up here, right? 
I mean, they were about to cross a raging river that was, it was out of its banks. It was overflowing. And, you know, you've seen these rivers before when, when the waters are high and it's just raging and the power that they have. And, and God comes to him and says, now we're going to cross. I don't know about you, but I might be like, God, couldn't we wait? I mean, we've waited 40 years, God. 40 years. We could surely give this another couple of months. We, we could wait another couple of months and do this. And God's like, nope, now's the time. Get ready. We're going. And he tells Joshua three times in Joshua chapter 1, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. And wherever the sole of your foot treads, I'll give you that land. And the one thing I would want you to hear today is be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. And everywhere the sole of your foot treads, as you are following the leading of the Holy Spirit, God will give you that land. His desire is that the kingdom of God would advance. His desire is that people would pass over into the promises he has for us. When I read this scripture, one of the things that jumps out at me, man, is these priests were told to put a box on their shoulders and walk out into the middle of a raging river. When I look at this, one thing it tells me is that even when the waters are rising in my life and the flood seems to be unmanageable, I can stand firm in Christ. Even when things seem to be out of control, I can stand firm in Jesus. That I will not be shaken because the foundation that I'm standing upon is not movable. No man can move it. There's nothing, no circumstance that can move the foundation that is under my feet. And so no matter how high the waters get, I can stand firm in Christ. That is awesome. When I look at I mean, I'm just thinking about how amazing it is that we know that we are going to cross over into God's promises for us. Beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are going to make it. And that's the one thing I really, really, really want you to hear is that we can be confident that we are going to go into the promises of God. If you are a Christian, you can be confident that you can enter into the promises of God. You can enter into supernatural peace. You can enter into soup. Excuse me. I don't know what that was. You can enter into supernatural joy. You can enter into to this supernatural place with God that even when the waters of your life are rising and flooding around you, you know that I'm held in the hands of a God who is so much bigger than anything that could come my way. And I can find courage in that. One of the things that I came across this week as I was studying these scriptures is I was absolutely amazed at how people tried to explain away this miracle. I was amazed. Even Biblical commentaries. I mean, people who, who are scholars. And, and I would read them and they would say, most likely, this is crazy to me, most likely there was an earthquake or a landslide because this was very common in that day that dammed up the waters at Aaron. Or Adam, I'm sorry, at Adam. And I kept reading it. And I was like, what's wrong with these people? Because in my mind, I'm just thinking that the God who created that river and makes it flow is big enough to dam it up if he wants to. I'm just thinking that he doesn't need a landslide or an earthquake. And if a landslide or an earthquake did happen, it was probably because he said, I want a landslide to stop this river. So as soon as, as, soon as the people, the priest's toes touch the water, the water stops. 
But we find so many ways to just try to rationalize the power of God. And if we're going to step in courage, we need to recognize the power of God has no limits. It has no bounds. It doesn't matter how fast and how hard and how big the river is. God can stop it. And I really felt like as I was preparing this, there would be so many people today that I'd have the opportunity to tell whose backs are against the wall and they don't know how it's going to work and they don't know how it's going to happen. And the thing that I would tell you is lift up your eyes and place them on the God who can dam up the river, the one who can get you out of it. And if the miracle's not in the fact that God stops the flood, then probably the miracle is in the flood itself. And God's going to do something incredible. I've said this before, but I really believe this. When your back's against the wall and you're pursuing God, it's not the end, man. It's, the, it's, the, it's a new beginning. It's the start of something new. It's the start of an opportunity for God to have an incredible testimony. It's the start of an opportunity for God to do something that you look back on and go, I thought I was done. I thought I was, thought I was finished. And yet somehow God brought me through. I want to tell you a few things about this, about, about courage this morning. I, got, I was gotten on to this week because I've been going too long, so I'm going to try to do better today. <laughs> I told them 30 minutes this week, 30 minutes, they were like, never, never, never going to happen. I was like, why not? You can do that. Some of you are like, dang, 30 man, oh, he's going to talk 30 minutes. <laughs> if you're lucky, I'll talk 30 minutes. But looking at this, Joshua 3, 1 through 17, I mean, one of the things that I believe is this, you'll never get to where God wants you to go without courage. I know that is profound and that is deep and you've probably never had that thought before in your life, right? But you're never going to get where God wants you to go or where God wants you to be without courage, without God doing something in your heart that allows you to step beyond what you could comprehend or understand on your own. How many of you have lived long enough to understand that God's ways are not your ways? Come on, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. You know, lean not onto your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him and He'll make your path straight. How many times have you seen that true in your life? That is so true. I mean, God doesn't do things that, that, that make sense to us. There's been so many things in my life that I look at it and I'm like, this does not make any sense, God. We should do it this way. And we're so good at telling God how we ought to do it. And, and, and I realize this in my own life. I mean, even when I look at this church, I think one of the things that can happen very easily for us, and Susan and I talked about this last night, is that you can start just thinking that what God's done here is, is just normal. And it's not. I mean, think about this. Let's think about this practically, right? Let's think about this. When we tell somebody to come to this church, we typically say something along these lines. There's a little blue grayish building that sits behind Burger King. If you'll just turn at Burger King, you'll run right into it. I was thinking about that this morning. That sounds more like you're setting up a drug deal than you are setting up church. <laughs> There's a little blue building back behind Burger King. If you'll meet me back there, man, nobody ever goes back there. And you guys know this is true. You almost needed snorkels and flippers to get up to this place today. It rained so much and the, the parking lot was flooded. And, and every morning I pull in and I look at this building and I go, why does anybody come here? 
I'm like, it's depressing to me to pull in the parking lot. I have to look up and see God. I'm like, God, you're still on the throne. Even though I'm walking into this dingy little blue gray building, you're still on the throne. And God's like, yeah. And you know what? I can take that dingy blue gray building and I can show people my glory all through it. And it's just been an absolutely incredible thing for us to watch is to see God move and people's hearts being touched and changed in the place that I would have never picked. I wouldn't have even picked Statesboro. I mean, states like Nazareth. What? What is anything good that can come from Nazareth? Like it's Statesboro, and people that move here, you know, it's kind of like this black hole. It just sucks you in. You come and you're like, man, I can't wait to get my four years done at Georgia Southern, and then I'm out of here. And you've been here for twenty years. <laughs> and you've raising your kids here, and you become a Statesbarian. And, and, and it's just crazy how God does that. I remember when we started the church, I was like, man, I, I was feeling led to do this. But I had this huge struggle with, you know, starting a church in Statesboro. I mean, I've been here since 1985. I was like, people have seen me do things, God. They saw me before I knew you. They've seen me drinking, singing karaoke, and I can't sing. And, and so I was like, God, I can't start a church here. And so it really bothered me, that whole thing about a prophet being without honor in his hometown. And, and so we started the church. We were a couple of months in and, and, and kind of getting things going. But it was just eating at me and eating at me. And I don't know how you feel about God speaking to you. I know he still speaks because as we sang today, our God's not dead. He's still a living God who speaks to us. And one night I'm laying in bed and I'm like, God, you got to help me deal with this. You got to help me get past this. And so I'm laying there. I'm like, okay, God, speak to me. And I see in my mind, this is, this is honest truth, I see in my mind John 4, 44. And I'm like, that's my answer. I got it. And so I jump up and I go to my Bible and I open it to John 4, 44. And you know what? It is? I'm just going to read it to you. I'm just going to read it to you because, you know, God is so hilarious sometimes. John 4, 44. Now, Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. I was like, seriously, God, I, I thought you were leading us to start this church. And now you're telling me that that my, my greatest suspicion and greatest fear is true. And as I was laying there, I was like, God, what are you trying to tell me? And he said, Brandon, if you're in it for the honor, then you're in the wrong place. But if you'll let me get the honor, then you'll be fine. Like, There's some words to live by. But God doesn't do things the way that we would do them. I mean, think about this story. Think about God coming and saying, okay, Joshua, your first leadership moment, your first leadership challenge is to get this people across this river and into my promised land. And he's like, okay, God, where's the blueprints? How do we build this bridge? God's like, no, no, I'm not going to be a bridge. He's like, okay, God, tell me how to do it. And can you imagine if your first leadership uh, moment in front of all these people was to stand up and say, all right, I've got a plan. The Lord spoke to me. I've got this plan, and this is what we're going to do. We're going to have the priest hoist this box up on their shoulders. And what you're going to do is when they walk by, they're going to go walk out into the river, and you're going to follow them. I, I don't think... They were like, that is brilliant, Joshua. That's the best plan I've ever heard. In fact, I can't wait to walk out into that raging river. 
I can't wait to be a part of this. And yet they, they, they had seen God move. They knew God was big enough. And somehow Joshua presents his plan and the priests were like, okay. And, and my thing is, I'm like, what were they drinking? What were they smoking that would make them say, yeah, we can do this. But they took supernatural courage and they understood that, that God doesn't do things the way we want to do. Think about our salvation. I mean, when God is deciding, I'm going to save the world. How many of you would have thought God would say, all right, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to send a baby through a virgin. That don't make a bit of sense. That don't make a bit of sense. And yet God's plan, as we see it unfolding, as we've seen it revealed now, is absolutely brilliant. God doesn't do things the way that we would do him. And if we're going to get to where God wants us to be, if we're going to do the things that God wants, we've got to take courage. We won't get there without courage. The second thing I would tell you about this is that you'll never get somewhere new going down the same old path. You'll never get somewhere new going down the same old path. As I was preparing this week and praying through all of this, man, I, I felt like this was the, one of the strongest things on my heart to tell you is that you can't get somewhere new going down the same old path. A few weeks ago, during deer season, I'd gone deer hunting, and um, I got out of my truck, I parked my truck on the road, and I went out into the woods, and it was really, really thick. I mean, the briars were just terrible. I mean, I don't think anybody had ever walked through there before, judging by how sharp the briars were. I mean, they were just like killing me. And so finally, I'm going through there, and I, I get down on my hands and knees, and I'm crawling through there. I was like Rambo or something. I wanted to get a knife and put it in my mouth or something while I was crawling and I'm crawling underneath all these briars and vines, and I'm getting hung up, and like 15, 20 minutes, I'm going through there trying to just find an opening. And finally, I was, it was like the, the, the clouds parted, the, you know, the heavens parted, and it was like, oh, and I saw this opening, and I crawled out, and I stood up in the middle of the opening, I was like, thank God. And I looked, and my truck was sitting right there. I was like, What? I'd been going around in circles for like 15, 20 minutes. I finally found the opening and my truck was from here to the door. I was like, that is terrible. I mean, but uh, you know, sometimes life seems like that. Well, we just seem like we're going around and around in circles. And, and we stand up and we look and we're back at the same place we started from. And it's just kind of like this grind of, man, one day turns into another. And it's just one thing after another and another. And our life seems to be going around in circles. Think about the Israelites. They went around in circles for 40 years. A journey that should have taken them a few days. Forty years. The same old path. It doesn't get you to that new place that God wants you to be in. And when I think about it, I'm, I'm like, so many people have come to this church and maybe they grew up in church and they got away from church. Maybe they were out of place and they felt God lead them out. Maybe they've never been in church. And you walk in and you're like, this is so different. I wish I, if I had a dollar. For every time somebody's come to me and said, this is so different. I, I, I would be wealthy. I could pay for Dake's college. I seriously think that. Or at least have a good start. Because it is. It's so different. And people come in. And I totally understand that. But I believe this, that if we're ever going to get to that new place that God wants, we've got to be willing to take a step of courage. I wish that I also had a dollar for every time somebody's walked through the doors and been like, man, we really love the church. The people are great. They're nice. They're warm. They, they come in and, man, they welcome us. And then the message was good. But I just don't like the music. I just don't like the music. And this is the thing that I think about with that. You come in here for an hour and 15 minutes. 
we play about 15 to 20 minutes worth of music. That means you've got 166 and three quarters hours in your week to listen to the type of music you want to listen to. Get you a CD player, get you an iPod, pump it up in your car and worship your head off. Because really and truthfully, if the only time that we're worshiping is when we walk in these doors, we're missing the whole boat anyway. And I don't want you guys, I don't want anybody, if this is where God's leading, I don't want you to miss the move of God, this thing that God is doing. I don't, if this is where you're supposed to be planted, get planted so God can begin to produce fruit in your life. Don't let 15 to 20 minutes rob you of the very thing that God wants to do in and through you. Don't let it rob you of that. I mean, we have um, one lady who, who comes in, and, and you know what? She'll walk in sometimes and put in earplugs. And she'll sit there and she'll sing songs. And she'll, she'll go, and, and then it's over, pops them out. But you know what she said to me? She said, you know what? It's not my type of music, but I just love what God's doing in the young people. I love to see what God's doing in people's lives. It's not my type of music, but I can listen to my music whenever I want to. We had a, another of our more mature members or attendees <laughs> who, who said the other day, he, he came up to the altar, and this was really funny to me. He's like, we had a time where you could come to the altar and pray, and he was coming up to the altar, and he knelt down, and he ended up kneeling down right in front of one of the speakers. And he said he was sitting there, and, and he's praying, and he's having this time with God. And then Sean went, bam, on the drums. He's like, oh. He's, he's like, he thought Jesus had come back. But you know, he said the same thing. He was like, I don't care what the music is. If it'll bring people in, play it. If it'll bring it in. Sometimes I'm up here, and I'm like, man, that's too loud. Turn that junk down. But if it brings people in who are far from God, we're going to play it. If, if that's what it takes. And God, he doesn't do things the way we would do them. And the same old path doesn't get you to a new place. The one thing I see is that so many times churches want to jump on somebody else's tracks. And that's great and good. And you can go faster than if you allow God to lay out the tracks for you. The problem with it is you always end up in somebody else's destination. Don't get on somebody else's tracks because they look good and you look like they've been laid out and they're well-worn and you think you can just trust it. Boy, these tracks look good. Trust the God who's laying them out for you. Stay on your tracks and do what God has called you to do. Don't, don't take the easy path, the safe path. Be courageous and step when God tells you to step and do what God tells you to do. Third thing I want to tell you today is that I believe this with all my heart, that God's miracles are always done through people who stepped in courage. Got a video we're going to show you. When I was 14, I was diagnosed with a brain tumor. I knew I couldn't get through it without God's help. I prayed that when I came out of brain surgery that I would be the same person that I was before. I leaned on Him daily and uh, prayed for strength. And the verse that he gave me was Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for good and not for harm, plans for hope and a future. I cling to those words daily. Uh, thus, um, I can't go a day without seeing those words reflected in my life. Um, I know that courage is not something that you're born with. It's something that God gives you. 
and courage goes along with faith and trusting that God, uh, what He has in store for you is His will and not your will. Courage also gives you the confidence to step blindly into what God has in store for you and the plans that He has for the rest of your life. Um, not knowing is okay sometimes that um, it just takes courage to take that first step. I know God has me in His hands and I trust Him with the rest of my life. Those of you who know Erin um, know exactly how she has lived with incredible courage that God has given her. The one thing that she said in there that really, I mean, she said so many things that jumped out, but one of them that really stuck in my heart was she said, sometimes it's okay not knowing, but you just have to take that first step. Sometimes it's okay not to know how it's going to end when you know that ultimately you win. Sometimes it's okay to, to not know exactly how it's going to play out when you know that ultimately I'm in Christ and it's going to work out. And we just have to take that first step. Imagine what the priests were thinking as they carried the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the presence of God. And they walk up and they put their toes into a raging river. How hard was that first step? How hard was it to take that first step? And for, for some of us here today, it's a step of saying, I want to commit my life to live for God. I want to accept what Jesus did for me. For some of us, there's something in our lives that God has been beating on our heart for us to do. And it's just time to say yes. It, for some of us, it's just a deeper level of commitment that I want to surrender it all to God. And it's okay not to not know exactly how it ends out and to take that step knowing that God has got my back. God is going to be with me. He's going to take care of me. So we really need to see that the river didn't part until they took a step. The river didn't part until they began to make up their mind, we're going to do the right thing, which was following the direction of God. I want to tell you real quick, we don't have much longer, but I want to tell you real quick just a couple of ways I believe we find courage, the supernatural courage of God. The first one is this. I believe that supernatural courage is initiated by supernatural love. How many of you had children in here? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know y'all got to. All of us know y'all got to. <laughs> I'm just kidding. They know my kids, so I can say that. But to think about loving your children and the way you love your children, it's got to be a thing from God, right? Because think about this, ladies. Has there ever been another time in your life that you gained 15 to 20 to 30 pounds in less than a year and you loved the thing that caused you to do that? No. You've never gained 15 pounds and been like, praise God. Thank God this is the greatest blessing I've ever had in my life. Nobody does that. And yet they're born and you're just like, I mean, you've got that attachment because you've carried them around for nine months. And I mean, and, and guys, you know, the first child you had, you didn't even understand it. They were like, oh, look at it. Look at it. Look at him. Look at it in my eyes. I'm like, he can't even see yet. <laughs> he cries every hour. He wants to be fed. And yet we still love him. I mean, and it's supernatural. 
Yesterday, we've got three boys. We've got an eight of four and a, and a two-month-old, almost three-month-old. And it rained all day. <laughs> and they were like, ping, 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 ping. I mean, we tried to watch this movie Secretariat, and they're climbing all over my back. I'm like, just get off, just like for five minutes. For, you know, come on for the love. Come on, man, get off of my back just for a minute. And they're bouncing all over the place. But you know, nothing can take away that love. I, was, I took Dake to this thing to see Chipper Jones the other night. Um, we got, somebody asked me to sit at this table that I could have never have afforded. And so I was like, yeah, heck yeah, we'll sit there. And so we had awesome seats. And I was like, it's Chipper, Dake, it's Chipper. And Dake only remembers him since he gets hurt all the time. He never saw like Chipper when he was really good. And so he doesn't really understand. We're like, it's Chipper Jones, man. And so we go and, and, and we see that on the way home. I'm like, Dake, man, I just really am proud of you. And he was like, but dad, I really didn't do anything. And I was like, no, you didn't, son. No, I didn't say that. I said, Dake, I don't, I'm not proud of you because of what you've done. I'm proud of you because you're my son. I'm proud of you because no matter whatever happens, I'm not going to stop loving you. And I thought about that with God and, and, and with his love for us, that no matter what we've done, he's proud of us. He loves us in Christ. He sees perfection. I'm thinking, that blows my mind. How could God know my thoughts, the deepest thoughts, and still love me? But when I see this, and, and I know that it's God's love for me, and I know that's His heart for me, it gives me courage. You know, there's nothing I wouldn't do for my children. I'm not a violent person, but if you mess with my kids, I, would, I think I would literally kill you. And, and here's the thing, I would be like, bam, thank you God for your forgiveness. Because that's the one thing. I mean, I would lay down my life for them. I would give any, because supernatural love, this supernatural love that God's given us for our children, the supernatural love that God has for us, man, it, it moves us to courage. There's nothing that can stand between me and my children that would keep me from going after them. And it's the same way with God. He wouldn't let a river stand between His children getting into His promise. And He won't let let sin, he won't let your weakness stand in the way of you coming into a relationship with him and the promise that he's given you. Listen to these, these first four verses are incredible. It says that early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. Listen to this. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people that when the Ark of the Covenant or the presence of God goes before you. You're to move out from your positions and begin to follow it. Do y'all think it was coincidence that it just happened to be three days that they camped on the side of the Jordan? Think about that. They camped for three days on the other side of the promise. How long was Jesus in the grave? And then what happened? God's Spirit infused him with life, resurrection power, the tomb flew open. He stepped out and he allowed us to begin to cross over into God's promise. I believe it's the same thing that happened in Joshua chapter 3. Those priests stood in the river and they stood on firm ground and they allowed people to cross over into the promise of God. I believe that's what God's done for us. I believe that's where our courage comes from is when we realize 
that about Jesus and about God, that his supernatural love has made a way, a door of opportunity that we can know him, that we can cross over into the promises of life and peace and, and, and the, the, the abundant living that God wants us to have. Listen to this in, in Joshua verse, uh, 3 verse 5. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. The Lord will do amazing things among you. I believe that the second way that we begin to find courage is that when we, courage comes when we are sold out to a cause. It comes when we're sold out. You see people all the time that will find some ridiculous cause and they're willing to give their life for it. And when I think about what God's called us to do, he's called us to be in this place of being absolutely sold out. Joshua said, consecrate yourselves. In other words, set yourself apart. Because God, tomorrow, he's going to do some awesome stuff in your life. He's going to do some incredible things. Now set yourself apart. I believe that one of the reasons we oftentimes miss what God wants to do in our lives, we miss the amazing things that God wants us to do, is because we've never wholly devoted ourselves to Him. God is a piece of our life rather than encompassing the whole thing. God's an hour and 15 minutes on Sunday morning rather than encompassing the entire 168 hours of the week. God is somebody we come to whenever we just, we're just in fear or, or we're just in need or, or we need our lucky rabbit's foot to pull something out for us. And I believe that if we're going to see God do amazing things and we're going to find the courage to step forward, we've got to begin to devote ourselves wholly to God, completely, everything that we have. And I believe that God infuses us with power. So here's the awesome thing about being a believer. When, when you commit your life to Christ and you set it apart for Jesus, this amazing thing happens where God begins to live in you. And that, that's hard for us to understand. Like, and, and one of, I think it was actually one of y'all's children, who said this one time, that God is so big that he holds like the entire universe in, the, in, in his hands, but he's so small that he can live inside of me. Isn't that awesome? That he's, that he's that big and yet he lives inside of me. And when I think about the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead living inside of me, it makes me take courage. And the reason he can live there is because of Jesus and he died for me. He cleansed me of sin so that now my body, my sinfulness, my, 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 my shame, my guilt, it's been cleansed so that the Holy Spirit of God can live in me. He told us in Ezekiel 36, he'd give us a new spirit and a new heart that we could obey his commands, that we could live for him. You know, we sang this song earlier and, and the line of the song said he's like a roaring lion inside of me, something like that, I think was the line. But it, basically it talked about the fact that God is a roaring lion on the inside. And you know, when I first read that line, the thing I thought about was this. The Bible says that the devil is like a roaring lion that prowls around looking for whom he can devour. And as soon as I thought about that, God said, yeah, but there's also another lion in the Bible. There's also another lion in the Bible. And it's the Lion of Judah, which represents Jesus Christ. And so my question to you today is, which lion's roaring the loudest in your life? 
Is it the one on the outside who the only way he can place you in fear is to deceive you and make you think things aren't going to be okay? Or is it the lion on the inside who has sealed you until the day of redemption and is the promise of eternal life? When the lion on the inside begins to roar loud enough, you can no longer hear the voice of the one on the outside. And you can begin to step in faith. You can begin to step in courage, knowing that even if I step into this flowing, raging river, God is still going to take care of me. The last thing I would say is that courage comes from the courage of others. Um, I told you yesterday we watched this movie, Secretariat. It's a pretty good movie. Pretty good movie. Like, I mean, it was in one of those inspiring movies about the greatest horse ever. The greatest racehorse that ever lived. It's incredible. Incredible movie. And it was about him running these races, winning the Triple Crown. And, and we were watching the movie, and he gets into the Triple Crown races, and all this money, like $6 million or something's on the line. And he's running all these races. And we already know he won the races, right? I mean, we're watching this movie, and it's like, we know he won the Triple Crown. It's a historical fact. But we're on the edge of our seats. And, and Susan's over there. She's like, go Secretariat, go Secretariat. <laughs> and then finally it hits me. I'm like, we know who wins. We already know who won. But we're all on the edge of our seat going, go Secretariat. And by the end of that movie, I mean, they're in it and they're like, Secretariat by two links, by three links, by four links, by 30 links. And I'm like, go, go. And, and I'm just so pumped up and I'm ready to run out and change the world. All because of a horse that won the Triple Cat Crown 38 years ago. He died in 1989. I looked it up. I was like, is he still alive? I want to go see him and give him a carrot or something, you know? But he's dead. But I was so pumped up because I'm like, this horse, man, look at him run. You can see every muscle in his body. I want to, I want to be secretariat. I want to run. Just let me run. And, and so, but I'm watching, I got so pumped up about this, this movie. And I thought about how inspired I was and how much, you know, courage, I was ready to run out and change the world. But then I thought about this. If I get that excited over a horse that died in 1989, how much more inspired should I be by believers who are getting up every day, putting their feet on the ground, scaring the hell out of Satan because he knows what lives on the inside of them is bigger than what lives in the world. And then them going out and living with courage every day of their life. When we begin to live a life of courage, it becomes contagious. When we'll begin to step foot where God tells us to step and the waters begin to part, it shows the reality of God to other people. There are people who don't know God. There are people who don't know Christ. And they're dependent on us to be willing to take a step of courage. They're dependent on us to show them the way. The Bible says that now you and I are the priest. We're the royal priesthood is what the Bible calls us. I believe that this is a perfect picture of what we're supposed to do. We are supposed to carry the presence of God into the flood of sin, into the flood of, dis flood of dissipation, into this flood of loss of hope and despair. And we're supposed to stand firmly on the foundation of Christ and say, people, look, this is the way to the promise. Amen. We're to stand in the middle of it and go, guys, this is it. If you want it, we'll show you the way and we'll stand here as long as it takes for you to get to the other side.
That's what God's calling us to do is to take this step of faith, this step of courage, just to be willing to walk out in the middle and say, God, I know you got this. I can tell you this. I'd rather try and fail than not try at all. I am not going to spend my life sitting in a corner afraid. Do I get afraid? Yeah, I get afraid. But you know what? I'm going to come out fighting. Do I get hit in the mouth every now and then? Yeah, Susan's mean. But, but do I stay dead? No, you got to get up. And I've got a band of brothers around me that when I want to go suck my thumb in the corner, they're like, what are you doing? Get up. And then they walk. And you know what? In a month, I might be looking at them going, why are you pouting? Don't you know how big your God is? Get up. Let's go. We draw courage from other people. God hasn't called you to be in a corner in a fetal position sucking your thumb. Thank you, brother. <laughs> That's a future Pentecostal right there. (laughs) He's like, what's wrong with sucking your thumb, man? Come on, give me a break. (laughs) But God hasn't called us to shrink in fear. God hasn't called us to back up. He's called us to take new ground. And when we begin to live that life of courage infused by the Holy Spirit, people begin to look at your life and they begin to draw courage. I would say it like this. Courage is contagious. We've all been in places where we were unsure and then somebody else stepped up and showed incredible courage. And then we were able to continue and move forward. We were able to continue on. I remember when Susan was diagnosed with Hodgkin's disease. She was, I think she was 15, I was 16. And we were in the the waiting room and the doctor came out and said it was cancer and everybody's falling apart. And I remember her dad, he he came over there and he grabbed the family. It's like he got the whole family and he said, we're going to get through this. Like, okay, we're going to get through this because Bruce said so. But you see courage rise up in people and it begins to inspire you to do more. It begins to inspire you to take a step of faith and begins to inspire you to live the life of Christ. I mean, look at the life of Jesus. The Bible says that, that he went to the cross for the joy that was set before him. We have the opportunity to, to, to realize that same joy even in the midst of laying our lives down. Even in the midst of taking a step of faith when we don't know how it's all going to end. We get to be a part of what God is doing, what God's plan is. And, 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 and just being able to experience God using us in incredible ways to see the amazing things that God wants to do, to see the miracles of God because we took a step of faith, we took a step of courage, and we trusted that God would do what he says he would do. I'll say this. Um, every now and then, somebody will come up to me, and they'll say, With God having done what he's done at Connection, are you getting prideful? And my mother-in-law will even come up to me sometimes. She'll be like, don't let your head get too big. I'm like, woman, watch your mouth. I don't say that. (laughs) But she'll say, don't let your head get too big. And for me, I'm like, are you serious? Prideful? And we had 580 people walk through the doors of Connection Church last week blows me away but you know how long I celebrate 580 about an hour and then you know what happens I get nauseous I'm like oh my gosh God what are you doing I don't even know if I can do this 
And I'm thinking about, well, we're looking at buying land. I'm like, oh my gosh, buying land. What if everybody leaves? I could say one thing and the entire church evacuate. I'm like, I don't know, God. We're about to hire another staff person. Oh, what if the tithes go down? What if they get mad at me so they hold their money back from God? I'm like, oh my God, I'm, getting, I mean, I'm like sick at my stomach. Like, I don't know. I mean, and, and then the other thing is this, you prepare for Sunday, but you know what happens on Sunday night? Sunday's coming. I get done and preach three services and then I, I walk to my office. I'm like, oh my gosh, thank God. What am I preaching next Sunday? Oh man, I need to find some illustrations. Okay, God. Okay, Dave, Jackson, y'all go do something really stupid so I can talk about you next week. Because Sunday's always coming. And so even in the midst of God doing something, it's easy sometimes to fall into this place of fear where you're like, oh my gosh. But you know what I do? I look at the results. I look at people's hearts being changed. I look at the things that God's doing. And I'm like, I'll take that hill all day long. I'll die on that hill. I'll I'll do whatever it takes to continue to see people's hearts being changed, even if it makes me uncomfortable, even if I have to continue to step in courage, not knowing how it's going to turn out. Y'all can come visit me when I'm in the poorhouse. Y'all can come visit me when I go to jail or something. You know, you're like, well, he didn't pay the land. We're going to send him to jail. You know, but that's why I'm going to get some of y'all to sign the papers so that if it don't, then y'all go to jail. But, Man, it's it's about stepping with courage, knowing that God is going to make the way. I believe the Bible teaches us that we are now the priest. We are called to be the priesthood. And our job is to carry the presence of God into a world that is flooded with despair, loss of hope, sin, and everything you can imagine. And to stand in the middle of that river and go, the promise is over here. To carry the presence of God, to stand firmly on Christ and say, come over here, I can show you the way. Now come and do, look at what God's doing in your life. Now come over here and get into the promise, the promise of life and the promise of rest that only Jesus can give. So today I want you to hear that, that even in the flood, in the midst of, midst of circumstances where it seems like they're raging and out of control, you serve a God who's bigger than the flood. You serve a God that's bigger than the water. And today, he's in the midst of your situation. He's in the midst of your life. And he's nudging you to take a step of courage so that he can use you, as the Bible says, in amazing ways. That's an awesome opportunity. Today, we're going to take communion. And because of Jesus taking a step of courage in Luke uh, 22, it says that Jesus uh, actually asked God, God, could you take this from me? He's about to go to the cross, and he says, God, if there's another way, I'd really like for that to surface right about now. And he said this, but not your will, but my, but not my will. That's what we say typically. Not my will, but yours be done. I think that may be the most courageous statement that's ever been made, is that he was willing to go to the cross die for you and me so that we could cross over into the promise of God. That's our God. That's pretty stinking awesome that we get to serve him. And today, we get to come and celebrate in communion. The Bible tells us that he took the bread on the night 
that he was about to go to the cross. He's about to be betrayed, and he broke that bread. And there's so much symbolism involved with that. One is this, that through Christ, we're united with God. And Jesus' body represents that, is represented by this one loaf. And, and, and when we come to him, we can celebrate the fact that we've been united with him. And when we come, this, is, this, this bread doesn't change into like Jesus' body. This is grape juice. It's not wine. Some of y'all are disappointed, but it's not wine. But we're able to come and remember what Jesus did on the cross for us. We're able to come and remember that by God's power, we've been united with Jesus. And not only are we united with God, but we're also united with one another. So that even as we're here this morning, as many people as are gathered here in this building, we are one body under the headship of Jesus Christ. And so we come and we celebrate this union with him and we celebrate this union with each other. How powerful is it when we move under the headship of Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and we move as one person to do what God's called us to do? So today we have the opportunity to come and share in the body. We have the opportunity to come and share, share in the blood, in the forgiveness of sins. Jesus said to drink this. He said it's the cup of the new covenant poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. If we are in Christ, our sins have been cleansed and washed away. And when you come and you take this bread and you dip it into this cup and you eat it, you celebrate the fact that my sins are forgiven through Christ. And you live a life of gratitude for what Jesus did on the cross for you.